The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 15, Till We Are Less Afraid, May 2002. The night after Brad disappeared, we ate dinner fairly early. As we ate, I spent a few minutes staring out the window at the ocean below. It's a strange thing to sleep through an entire day. Ever since I switched to the swing shift, I had been hit with the strangest notion that the daylight hours simply didn't exist anymore. Burning Rock, Washington was beginning to feel a lot like northern Alaska to me. The sun rose for a fleeting five or ten minutes in the afternoon and sunk away again without ever fully lighting the sky. The world was, at its brightest, a deep purple and still full of shadows. So, Sam said, I'm making a new flavor of ice cream in the morning. He waved a hand like he was about to do a magic trick. It's something I've never done before. It's birthday cake, but instead of white cake, it's orange cake. That sounds phenomenal, actually, I said, more than ready to think about something other than our missing grad student friend. Yeah, he said. The problem is, none of the bakeries in town sell an orange cake, and I need, like, a whole giant orange cake to smash up in that bin of dairy. Eh, just commission someone to make it for you, I suggested. You manage an ice cream joint just as well-respected as any bakery in this town. Pay somebody to make it. Heck, get somebody to make it for free as a marketing thing. Sam slid me another croissant across the counter. Yeah, you seriously overestimate how much people like me around here. He took another bite of his stew. I don't know, then make it yourself, I shrugged. I'll help. He didn't answer, but he also didn't argue, so I took that as a win. I ate my whole bowl of stew. It was full of sage and rosemary and all kinds of leafy little soup herbs. It made me feel warm and fresh and happy, like the world might manage to limp on for a few more rotations after all. Don't tell Corey I used her herbs, Sam said, nodding to the garden on the counter. Yeah, I would never, I replied. I went to the pantry and started pulling out the kind of ingredients you might need for a cake. My mom has this great cake recipe, I said. Secret ingredient is pudding mix. We use it for, like, literally everything at the restaurant. We just adapt it to different flavors. Oh, that's awesome that you have a family cake recipe, Sam said. He didn't sound sarcastic about it either. I looked up, expecting to have to defend it, but he had already gone back to cleaning up from dinner. He popped a lid on the stew and moved the whole thing to the fridge. Did you say she makes it for a restaurant? He asked. Yeah, my mom owns one, I said. My grandparents were like first-generation Italian immigrants. They passed the place down to her, along with all the recipes. It's actually how my parents met. In the restaurant? Sam asked. No, at a conference. Um, Mom was a chef and dad was a buyer for a huge coffee company. 
They both went to this trade show in like Venice, I think. You know, legend has it that the night they met, they snuck into the hotel kitchen and stayed up the whole night cooking a five-course meal. That sounds made up, Sam said. Yeah, well, it probably is. So, is your dad still around? Sam asked. I've never heard you talk about him. Eh, no, he dishes when I was little, I said. Sorry, Sam replied. I wasn't sure if he was sorry that my dad left or sorry that he had brought it up. I switched a few key ingredients around so that mom's recipe would produce an orange cake. Miraculously, we had everything we needed in the pantry, including a full bag of oranges, which felt like a weird thing to own. Partway through the measuring, though, Sam started to slow down. His movements became less precise, and it seemed like he was focusing on something else. So, is this like how you do your whole job? I said, trying to wake him up with a slight jab. Last minute, without a backup plan. He didn't respond. Not really. It actually made me feel kind of bad for joking like that. Instead, he put down his tablespoon and turned to look at me. Hey, I gotta tell you something, he said. Oh, uh, what's that? I asked, feeling his discomfort and grabbing the bowl of flour from the counter to distract myself. I'm not good at pep talks, never have been. I think my grandpa might be hiding something, he said. Reed? I asked. It was stupid to ask that, of course. Reed was the only one of Sam's grandpas I knew. Of course he was talking about Reed. Yeah. Okay, uh, what makes you say that? I... I kind of saw him the night of the party, too, Sam said. Interesting. I thought I had been the only one to see the exchange between Brad and Reed. But given his position at the dining room table, I guess it made sense that Sam had seen it too. I shrug and decide to try to downplay it. I mean, I don't know. It it wasn't that weird. I actually kind of feel bad for even bringing it up to Crown. Even as I said that, though, I felt a little twinge suggesting that there might be something to it after all. I think it might have been weird, Sam said. I put the bowl down. This seemed like the kind of conversation that should have my full attention, whether I wanted to give it or not. Why do you think that? I asked. I talked to him about it the next day, Sam said. I I was just kind of messing around, you know, giving him a bad time. I asked him why Brad looked so upset about it. And? I said. He told me it was none of my business, but, like, he wasn't messing around. He was dead serious. He made it very clear that I shouldn't be asking questions about it. That was kind of weird. It was one thing to keep to yourself. I'm that way. I understand the impulse. It's another thing to be belligerent when people ask questions. Is he usually a very private person? I asked. No, Sam said. Not like that. Guy's polite to a fault. We didn't say anything for a moment. I added the baking soda and salt to the flour. Do you think... Do you think my grandpa had something to do with this? Sam asked. 
I turned to face him and understood immediately that he wasn't really asking because there was no way that I could actually know. No, he was just looking for reassurance that two really creepy things could happen in the same town on the same week and remain unrelated. I really doubt it, I said and started whisking the dry ingredients. I mean, my grandpa is kind of weird, right? One night he's whispering angrily with one of our classmates and... A little while later, that classmate disappears. Does that seem like a coincidence? I put down the whisk and put my hand on his shoulder. I'm not really a touchy person, but it does seem like the kind of thing that I should probably do. Look, I said, I know I don't know him that well, but I really don't think your grandpa attacked anyone, right? Like, that would be another super unlikely thing to add to an already really unlikely set of events. Even as I said it, though, I realized that I wasn't completely sure of what I was saying. There were some things about Reed that were pretty weird. His upper floor was downright scary, if I'm going to be honest. It was hard to reconcile that bright, jovial professor with those disturbing paintings he chose to hang in his upstairs hallway. In spite of my misgivings, though, my words seemed to come out in some kind of magical combination because Sam sighed and nodded and went back to hand-beating the eggs. No. He said, I, I know you're right. It's just such a weird thing, right? And sometimes I really hate it here. I think part of you does, I said. But do you really? He sighed. I mean, I guess if I really hated it, I would already be gone. But living here isn't what I thought it would be. You know? I get it. I nodded. I didn't explain further, but my thoughts drifted to my family in Seattle. My mom would be busy training the new waiters and probably still looking for a line cook since she lost our guy and she had incredibly high standards. My sister June would be coming back for her annual spring pilgrimage. Last year it had hardly even been awkward. I missed my family. I missed the restaurant. I missed Mom and June, and I missed the way that the skyscrapers shone silver when the sun hit. I had made my play, and I didn't regret it. I came here because I needed a change, and I wanted the chance to build my own life. But I still missed it all. If you're worried about your grandpa, I said, you could always talk to Crown. He seemed to have a plan, at least. Oh, he definitely does, Sam agreed. He took my flour mixture and spooned about a third of it into his butter mixture. With my brain still on family, I turned the conversation towards Sam's other relatives. So, you and Lana have another sibling, right? I already knew the answer, but it seemed like it would be super weird to just say, So, how's Logan? Yeah, we have a little brother, Sam said. He dropped a bunch of sour cream into the batter and started folding and swirling it into the mixture. He's graduating college this spring. Cool, I said. So is he more like you or is he more like Lana? I knew that would get a laugh out of Sam. Sam's reaction suggested no one had actually asked this question before. He added another dose of flour to the cake batter and kept stirring. Eh, he's smart like Lana, but he's got my sense of optimism. We both laughed at that. 
No one around here was feeling optimistic today, but for Sam, pragmatism seemed like a lifelong occupation. Content that I had sufficiently distracted Sam from his spiral over his grandfather's potential beef with a missing student, I let the conversation lag. By 7.30 that night, we had completed our cake, along with half a dozen cupcakes made from the remaining batter. Cupcakes are kind of pretentious, Sam said, don't you think? Yeah, they're like the cake version of the know-it-all from elementary school, I agreed. Lana showed up just as we sunk the last bowl into the soapy dish water. Thank all that's holy you guys made dessert, she said. She picked up the plate and headed for the door. Halfway there, she paused reluctantly and turned around. These are for us, right? She asked. Right. Sam sounded weary. Great. She kicked the swinging door open with her heel and disappeared with very little fanfare. Sam and I looked at each other. Guess we better get a milk, he said after a minute. Yeah, it's not like you can eat cake without milk. I'll get the glasses, I offered. Sam grabbed a gallon of milk out of the fridge while I picked up a tray and started to fill it with glasses. Sam left the kitchen whistling and carrying the jug of milk under his arm like a football. It was very weird and it made me smile. I turned out the lights and started to follow Sam out, but something, a tiny little creeping feeling on the back of my neck, made me turn around. The kitchen blinds were up, and through the window I could see a black and silver nighttime scene, bright and beautiful as any film. The moon painted the edges of every tree branch in silver, and together they swayed in unison under the light finger of the wind. Except for one. One of the branches seemed to be moving on its own. I stepped closer to the window, aware of the glasses in my hand, aware of their potential as a weapon or at least a distraction. There might be a kidnapper on the loose after all. Maybe even a kidnapper who climbed trees to peer in windows. My heart pounded and I actually thought of calling out for Sam. I almost did, but I couldn't stand the imagined embarrassment of explaining that I had been afraid of a tree branch. Instead, I stepped closer to the window, watching the thing that seemed to sway on its own. As I neared the window, though, the thing slowed its movement until it became still. Maybe I had only imagined it moving. Maybe the shadow of the other branches had fluttered over it, giving the illusion of a wavy sort of movement that didn't actually exist. Now that I stood at the window, the strange branch looked nearly ordinary again. It glistened white in the moonlight, and if the bark had looked a little too smooth a moment earlier, I figured it was probably just my imagination. Ivy? I spun around and saw Sam standing in the doorway, framed by light, black and silver, just like the tree outside. I couldn't see his mouth moving. In fact, the way he stood silhouetted in the door, I couldn't see any movement at all. It was as if his voice had traveled entirely disembodied. I turned back to face the window, but predictably there was nothing there. The strange branch had vanished, or more likely it had never been strange at all. You okay? Sam asked. I thought you were right behind me. Yeah, I said, still feeling vulnerable to all of this. 
Sam turned the light on, and relief washed over me as it illuminated his features. His wary eyes and the nearly imperceptible smattering of freckles across his nose. He was there. He was there entirely, and his voice was clearly attached to his body. You sure you're okay? He asked. Yeah, yeah. I brushed my hair out of my eyes and made my way over to the edge of the kitchen. Totally. Why? Nothing, he said. I followed Sam back into the living room. The others were watching a very loud black and white movie. I immediately hated it, but only in a vague, sleepy sense. I couldn't quite drum up the energy for real hate tonight. Lana sat in one of the chairs, chewing on a very large mouthful of cupcake. This is really great. Thanks, guys, she said. Sam and I put the milk down on the coffee table, and then we backed away into the shadows. I don't think either one of us could stomach the thought of sitting through this snooze fest of a movie. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Sam asked. Eh, Same as always. Classes in the evening, burning rock radio at two. Sam nodded. I was thinking, would you want to come by the shop? Help me steal Brad's computer? Yeah, but only if we never give it back, I replied. October 2007. I miss the way that life used to be. I miss the early days of living in Burning Rock. All of our weekends felt like holidays because we stuffed them with treats and ghost hunts and movie nights and the occasional batch of Saturday morning cartoons and sweet cereal. Life was good, and I don't think I saw it then. How could I when the world was full of ghosts and monsters? But it really was good, and it's taken me years to see it. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>